Hey, this is Life Coach David. Thanks for listening to the Law of Attraction podcast. I really appreciate it. I've been a certified Law of Attraction Life Coach for over 10 years. And you can find out more about me and coaching with me at lifecoachdavid.com. And as a matter of fact, I just had my website updated. I just wanted to make it more modern. So please check it out and let me know what you think about it. And before I start reading today from another book, I just wanted to ask you how often during the day, even today, the day you're listening to this, did you think about what you want? Did you focus on and think about what you want as compared to what you're experiencing? Because from a law of attraction point of view, we have to focus on what we want and get exciting about it and get into the feeling place about it so we can attract it. So please take inventory of yourselves and ask yourself, how often did I think about what I wanted today? And if it wasn't often, then start doing that because I want you to attract what you want. And today I'm going to start reading and discussing from the book, Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting. And it was written by Lynn Grabhorn and she is not alive anymore, but I really liked this book when I read it many years ago and I'm going to start reading it today. And of course, it's all about the law of attraction. This book was copyrighted in the year 2000, but the information is still very good. So because it's from the year 2000, some of her examples might sound a little dated. And the way she talks sometimes sounds a little kind of screwball, but the message is really good. So just keep that in mind when I read it. So here we go. And this book was actually given to me by a friend of mine, Maris, Maris Carter, a wonderful lady. And she wrote a note, David, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Love, Maris. So thank you, Maris, once again for this book. And I think everyone's going to enjoy it and get a lot out of it. So here we go. Excuse me, your life is waiting. And the introduction says... For well over a decade, my passion has been a grand spiritual journey into what I call the physics of thought. Toward the end that a deeper knowledge of this somewhat outrageous topic might provide ways for all of us, myself in particular, to get more out of life. My studies have taken me everywhere from learned professors of physics to deep within the esoteric sciences from plain old medicine and just about everything in between, to the point where I decided I could call myself somewhat of a lay expert on the subject. The only problem was that knowledge or no getting more out of life wasn't happening, and it was beginning to tick me off. Something was missing, and I flat out couldn't put my finger on it. Naturally, with my vast knowledge on the subject, When I came across some new but provincial teachings from this unlettered, unscientific family of teachers, my first impulse was to poo-poo the information because of their enormous oversimplification of what I consider to be a rather formidable topic. So it was more than a tad begrudgingly that I agreed to investigate this taped malarkey that a well-meaning friend had ungraciously shoved in my face. I flipped. Here I am, this learned student of thought, its magnetics, its propellant, its frequencies, its relation to emotion, its effect on our experience, etc. 
And these guys come along to nonchalantly provide, in the simplest of form, this missing piece to life's obstacles that I was beginning to think didn't exist. Sort of like, ah, pardon me, ma'am, might this be just what you were looking for? So I dive into this information, ultimately hundreds of hours worth, and in two weeks I'm stunned. In one month I'm flabbergasted, and in 90 days there's such a turnaround in my life that I say, that's it. I gotta write about it so the rest of the world can flip along with me. Now I grant you there are probably eight and a half million books on the overworked subject of getting more out of life, but the utterly bizarre thing about these little-known principles are they're uncomplicated, they work fast, and they're guaranteed. And so in my own prosaic words and style, I've reissued here the profoundly simple teachings from the Hicks family in Texas. Spiced with my own angles and buzzwords, my own observations and experiences over the past years and blended it together with my years of study. I unashamedly offer the finished product as the greatest missing link to life and living ever known to mankind, which means I've done this stuff and I'm still doing it and will never stop doing it because by damn it works. And that was the introduction and it's interesting she thanks um, Esther and Jerry Hicks in this. So even back then, they were already all talking about the Law of Attraction. And now we're going to continue on with Chapter 1. And this chapter is called, How We Got In This Mess. How did we get what we get in life? Why do some people seem to have it all, while others suffer? Why did that bozo bump into you on the freeway? Why did that little child have to die so young? How come that guy got promoted and not you? Why can't everybody have prosperity and joy and security? In our everlasting search to find more happiness in life, we devour positive thinking books by the millions. But if those books truly hold the secrets to an abundant and joyful life, why do we keep buying new ones? Oh sure, there are a few that have come along, giving us the keys to the elusive good life, but no true winners. Our lives don't do a lot of changing. Maybe it was just the wrong book we rationalized. Let's try another one. Or another religion. Or a different kind of meditation. Or another teacher or psychic or doctor or relationship. We reach out anywhere and everywhere for relief from the tedium and struggle of daily living. Yet the vast majority of us are still looking. How come? How come we've never learned the simple secret to living the good life? Whatever that may represent to us, how come we continue to whack and scratch like frantic mad dogs to get what we want when all along the key to obtaining our innermost desires has been as elemental as life itself? If you really think that things come to you by some stroke of good or bad luck or by accident or coincidence or by knocking your brains out against some very unsympathetic stone walls, then get a grip. This book could be dangerous to your discontent. And the next section of this book is called Slugger Jesse. Years ago, long before I had ever heard about the Law of Attraction, my friend Mindy insisted I go with her to see a Little League game. Her son played left field, but that's not why she wanted me to go with her. 
The size of the weekend crowd surprised me. You'd have thought Babe Ruth himself was reincarnating for a guest appearance. But question her as I might, no amount of prodding would cut loose Mindy's little intrigue. So what the heck, I went along with it. Her son came up to bat and struck out. Our side got two hits but no runs before the side was retired. Then came the other guys. You couldn't help but feel the crowd's excitement. A couple of young bulldogs strolled to the plate and promptly struck out, thanks to our team's terrific pitcher. Now it was Jesse's turn, and the cheers began from both sides. Jesse was small, I mean really small. His bat seemed longer than he was. He stepped up to the plate with unceremonious confidence and proceeded to hit the very first ball so far out over the bushes that they never did find it. I was flabbergasted. The crowd went ballistic, and Mindy looked at me and winked. This impossible scenario repeated itself four more times. Little slugger Jesse was a sensation, a phenomenon in the flesh, and with the research I was doing on the physics of manifesting, I damn sure wanted to find out what made this little half-pint tick, just as Mindy knew I would. When most of the backslapping was over, I wedged my way up to him through the crowd and asked if we could sit down and talk for a minute. When we reached the top of the bleachers, I said, Jesse, how do you do that? How do you hit so many home runs? And he said, I don't know. He offered innocently, waving a casual goodbye to some of his teammates. Then he said, each time I get up to bat, I just feel what it's going to be like to connect, and I do. Although I didn't know it at the time, Jesse had just described the fundamental principle of manifestation known as the law of attraction, the physics that creates every moment of our day. Today, Jess lives in style with his lovely wife, two great kids, a house of collectibles from their worldly travels, and a computer from which he makes copious amounts of dollars managing his investments. He passed over baseball as a career because he wanted to be his own boss on his own time. How has he become so successful? Same way he hit the ball. By feeling, not by thought alone, by feeling. And that's the end of that section. And that's very similar to what Abraham Hicks talks about, that we have to get into the feeling place of what we want. And by getting into that feeling place, that's what Law of Attraction is picking up on and matching and giving to us. And the next section is called Human Condition My Foot. Didn't it ever strike you as bizarre that our lives should be so tough when we're all so brilliant? Here we are, this hugely intelligent species that can split atoms, fly to the moon, and create the Flintstones, yet we're all running around blowing each other up, having heart attacks, or starving to death. It makes no sense. How did we get into this mess? Or is it just the so-called human condition? It all began uncountable eons ago with the first untrue declaration from those who desire power, who proclaimed that our lives revolved around and were the result of circumstances over which we had no control, including being dominated by others. Since that's what everybody has believed for untold eons, that's what we still believe to this day. And so, like our parents before us and theirs before them, 
all the way back to God knows how many thousands of years, we have struggled, waxed, strained, worried, and died long before our time from the all too unnecessary demands of living. We believed it to be the human condition, part of the unfortunate affliction we have come to call reality. But the human condition is a myth, and so, for that matter, is what we call reality. The truth is, in our everyday natural state, we have the sacred ability to maneuver this thing called our life, to be any way we want it to be, any way, bar nothing, from a happy family to a filled-in ozone layer. So why haven't the zillions of books written on how to have it all, how to think and get rich, how to visualize our way to success, and how to acquire power through positive thinking, shown us how to help ourselves out of this mess? Simple. Every one of those books left out the most important key of all time to life and living. We create by feeling, not by thought. That's right, we get what we get by the way we feel, not by trying to slug things into place or control our minds. Every car accident, job promotion, great or lousy lover, full or empty bank account, comes to us by the most elemental law of physics. Like attracts like. And since most of us haven't felt too hot about what we've had for most of our lives, we've become highly gifted masters at attracting an overabundance of circumstances we'd rather not have. You want a new car? You got it. You want to work successfully for yourself? You got it. You want to close that deal, make more money, have a great relationship, live without fear, have a spiritually fulfilling life, have superb health, freedom, independence? You got it if you know how to feel it into being. The law of attraction, like attracts like, is absolute and has nothing to do with personalities. No one lives beyond this law, for it is the law of the universe. It's just that we never realized until recently that the law applies to us too. This is the law behind success or failure. It's what causes fender benders or fatalities. It is, to the point, what runs every waking moment of our lives. So if you want to turn our lives around, or bring in greater abundance, or health, or safety, or happiness of any kind, we have only to learn the simple steps of manipulating our feelings, and a whole new world of plenty opens for the asking. Yes, yes, yes to that. And the next section is called, We Were Taught Backwards. Most of us haven't a clue how we get what we get in life. First, there's that long list of things we want and never get, never ever even hope to get. Then there's that even longer list of all the things we don't want, yet seem to get more of with disheartening regularity. No one's to blame for this ceaseless dream busting. We were just taught backwards. Probably the most destructive thing we've been taught is that life is born of a series of circumstances served up to us on this gigantic platter called potluck, or fate, starting always with the parents we were born to and the environment in which we grew up. If we were born rich, we got a lucky draw. If we were born poor, struggle will be our more common destiny. If we found happiness, it was by the cherished touch of lady luck. If some drunken idiot crashed into us on the freeway, it was rotten fate. 
We've been taught that we gain only as we labor. That action is the magic word. Do, do, do. Work, work, work. Strive, sweat, toil. And then if our luck holds, we just might come out ahead. We've been taught by loving, misguided elders to be cautious and guarded. Don't climb that tree, honey, or you'll fall. Don't wear that silly thing or people will laugh. Don't forget to lock your doors or you'll be robbed. We've become such a defensive species, our entire lives revolve around fearful credos of be careful, be cautious, be safe and secure. Heaven forbid we should ever let the guard down. But the greatest obstacle to living our potential comes from toddler days, when we were trained to look for what's wrong with everything. With our jobs, our cars, our relationships, our clothes, our shapes, our health, our freeways, our planet, our faith, our entertainment, our children, our government, even our friends. Yet most of the world can't even agree about what right or wrong is. So we war, we strike, and demonstrate, and make laws, and go to the psychiatrists. That's life, you say. We have to take the good with the bad, the ups with the downs. We have to be on guard, work hard, do things right, be watchful and hope for a break. Yep, that's the way life is. No, no, and no. That is simply not the way real life is. And it's time we face up to how we actually do create what we have in our world, our empty or full bank accounts, our grand or boring jobs, our good fortune or bad, and everything else in this arena we so nonchalantly call reality. How do we do it? Don't laugh. It all comes from how we're vibrating. Everything in this world is made of energy. You, me, the rock, the table, the blades of grass. And since energy is actually vibration, that means that everything that exists vibrates. Everything, including you and me. Modern day physicists have finally come to agree that energy and matter are one and the same which brings us back to where we started, that everything vibrates because everything, whether you can see it or not, is energy, pure, pulsing, ever-flowing energy. But even though there is only one energy, it vibrates differently. Just like the sound that pours out of a musical instrument, some energy vibrates fast, such as high notes, from high frequencies, and some vibrate slow, such as low notes, from low frequencies. Unlike the tones from a musical instrument, however, the energy that flows out from us comes from our highly charged emotions to create highly charged electromagnetic wave patterns of energy, making us powerful but volatile walking magnets. That's nice, but who cares? Well, if you want to know why you've had to struggle so hard in your life, you do. If you want to know how to change your life to be exactly the way you want it to be, you had darn well better care, because the electromagnetic vibrations you send out every split second of every day are what have brought and are continuing to bring everything into your life, big or small, good or bad, everything, no exceptions. And that's the end of that section, and that's very accurate about the Law of Attraction. One of my favorite quotes is, Law of Attraction is always consistent. What you are living is always an exact replication of your vibrational patterns of thought. 
and that goes along perfectly with what I just read. And the next section is called From No Commissions to No Commissions. Central California is a Mecca for those who love to sell land. Cattle ranches, vineyards, resorts, residential developments, dairy farms, planned communities. If you have the know-how and patience to bring a deal to the table where all parties are panting to sign, you can make a fortune from their gargantuan commissions. Here's an example. Tom was an acquaintance of mine who did just that with outrageous regularity. He was a real estate broker in his mid-40s. We were about the same age and an acknowledged pro with commercial land sales. I had just sold another business in Los Angeles and moved to the central coast with no idea of what to do next until I met Tom. Within a few months, I acquired my real estate license and began my apprenticeship in earnest under Tom's masterful tutelage in his well-known real estate office. Since my sales would fatten his pocket as well as mine, he took the time to teach me well. We'd spend long hours poring over comparisons of grape harvest, soil tests, and potential feed yields of various land segments that will be capable of sustaining X number of cattle. Considering the closest I had ever been to a cow or cattle was store-bought milk or steak, and that while I had once been a hearty drinker, what I knew about wines would fit on a pinhead. I found the instruction fascinating. Tom worked with me for months before allowing me to get my feet wet. While I was learning about this new world, I was also developing a plan to market Central California lands to offshore buyers. By the time I had finished the first phase of my apprenticeship, I had formed the specialized real estate firm of Western Lands, USA, along with a marketing concept that was so flawless, I wondered why no one else had thought of it before me. That's where I made my first mistake. My plan was so easy, so foolproof, so ready and ripe to produce huge sales, I just knew there had to be something wrong with it. It was too good. It would all happen too fast. Someone would steal it. In fact, it was so good, it flat out spooked me. Finally, the day came. I was out showing my first chunk of land, a large ranch overlooking the magnificent coastline of Big Sur, California. Not only was the price well into the millions, but the commission would be far more than I had made collectively during my entire working life. In a few weeks, buyer and seller agreed. I had a sale and went into instant panic. Tom was pleased. Everybody was pleased. I was terrified. And the closer we got to closing, the more paranoid I became. It was all too good to be true, too easy, too incredible. My stomach churned like a packed washing machine. Tom poo-pooed my fears by telling me how proud he was of me and that he'd never seen such a clean, uncomplicated deal. But I was a nervous wreck. It was too unreal. It would never happen. And it didn't. On the day, the day the big sale was to close, the buyer found legal cause to back out. My worst fears had come to pass. Twice more that happened until I finally told Tom I just couldn't handle the pressure and stress of these big commission closings that came down to the wire but never happened. 
All he ever said was, Sweetie, you blew him away with your fears. You gotta feel those tender little suckers close. Feel yourself shaking everybody's hand and feel yourself out there celebrating. You gotta know it's going to work. Or trust me, it never will. If you can't feel it happening, it won't. I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. After the first sale bombed, I had immersed myself in all the best-selling books on positive thinking and how to get rich quick. But when two more sales blew up in my face that were also within days and hours of closing, I decided this potential fantasy land was not for me and opted to open a mortgage company which had considerably less apprehension involved. It wasn't until years later when I had finally gotten involved with the Law of Attraction that I realized what Tom meant. Without even realizing what he was doing, Tom had learned to command energy to his advantage. Instinctively, he knew that closing deals meant more than just thinking big, thinking positive, or making good contracts. Tom, like Jesse, somehow knew you had to feel your desires into being. And that's the end of that little section. And that's interesting that some people just naturally do that. I personally was not one of them. I had to learn about it. I had to learn about the law of attraction, find out exactly what to do. <laughs> and then eventually I really got it and understood it in a deep way. And then I was able to do that. But that's great that some people can just feel their way into something so they attract it and they don't even realize it. Perfect. And the next section is called Tuning Forks and the Law of Attraction. Way back in the 30s, a couple of guys in the Orient were attempting to prove that thoughts were real things and that different kinds of thoughts create different kinds of vibrations. So they decided to see if they could actually photograph vibrations of thought. And by golly, they did right through steel walls, an experiment that's been replicated many, many times. But they also proved something else, perhaps even more important. They found that the more emotion the thinker or sender charged his thoughts with, the clearer the picture turned out to be. These fellows were possibly the first to prove that there is magnetic energy attached to our thoughts and that thought is propelled by our emotions. What they miss, though, is that because the vibrational waves, also known as our emotions, we send out are magnetically charged, we are literally walking magnets, constantly pulling back into our world anything that just happens to be playing on the same frequency or wavelength. For instance, when we're feeling up, filled with joy and gratitude, our emotions are sending out high-frequency vibrations that will magnetize only good stuff back to us, meaning anything with the same high-vibration frequency that matches what we're sending out, like attracts like. On the other hand, when we're experiencing anything that joy isn't, such as fear, worry, guilt, or even mild concern, those emotions are sending out low-frequency vibrations. Since low frequencies are every bit as magnetic as high frequencies, they're going to attract only cruddy stuff back to us, meaning anything of that same low frequency that will cause us to feel and vibrate as lousy as what we're sending out. Cruddy out, cruddy back. It's always a vibrational match. 
So whether it's high vibrational joy or low vibrational worry, what we're vibrationally offering in any moment is what we're attracting back. We are the initiators of the vibrations, therefore the magnets and the cause. Like it or not, we have created and are creating it all. We may be flesh and blood, but first and foremost we're energy, magnetic energy at that, which makes us living, breathing magnets. Don't you love it? You may think you're president of a Fortune 500 company, or a mother and wife, or a valedictorian of your class, or an airline mechanic, but what you really are is a walking magnet. Ah, little did you know. Crazy as that may sound, it's high time we woke up to the fact that we are electromagnetic beings tripping around with this mind-boggling capacity to magnetize into our lives whatever in the world we desire by controlling the feelings that come from our thoughts. But because we exist on this planet in a predominantly low-frequency field of energy, born of over 6 billion people who are vibrating more feelings of stress and fearfulness than joy, we involuntarily take in those vibrations and react to them, which means that until we consciously learn to override the pervasive low frequencies in which we exist, we will keep recycling unpleasant outcomes into our lives day after tiresome day. Just like swimming in salt water, if we don't wash the residue off sooner or later, it's going to make us mighty uncomfortable. There's just no way around it. The way we feel is the way we attract. And more often than not, those feelings come from our thoughts, setting up the instantaneous electromagnetic chain reaction that ultimately cause things to happen, to be created, to be withheld, or to be destroyed like my big commission in that story I was talking about. So once again, our feelings go out from us in electromagnetic waves. Whatever frequency goes out will automatically attract its identical frequency, thus causing things to happen, good or bad, by finding their matching vibration. Happy high vibrations attract happy high vibrational circumstances. Yucky low vibrations attract yucky low vibrational circumstances. In both cases, what comes back causes us to feel just as high or low as what we have been transmitting or feeling because it's an exact vibrational match to what we send out. It's the same principle as a tuning fork. Ding a tuning fork in a room filled with all different kinds of tuning forks calibrated to various pitches and only the ones calibrated to the same frequency as the one you just dinged will ding too, even if they're way across the astrodome. Like forces attract. It's a classic rule of physics. But unlike a tuning fork, which never changes its tonal frequency, we humans with our ever-changing emotions flip-flop our frequencies at magnetic intensities all over the place, like lotto balls in a blow machine. One minute we can be as high as a kite and as powerful as the sun, and in the very next, about as turned on energetically as a cardboard box under the couch. <laughs> what flips us around like that comes from the kinds of and intensity of feelings we're having 
from lukewarm happy to way up, or from just blah to way down. So instead of being one constant, well-aimed tuning fork, we're more like a whole bunch of them clustered together, each having a different pitch or frequency, and collectively pinging haphazardly all over the place with our up-down, up-down emotions. Since one minute we're pinging high, and the next minute we're pinging low, causing one frequency to cancel out the other, nothing much ever changes in our lives, or at least not very rapidly. Only we're not tuning forks. What's coming back to us as a result of the jumble of unfocused emotional energy, or vibrations, we spew out every instant our rarely pleasant little pings, but a relentless procession of messed up, hit or miss, unplanned events and circumstances. Needless to say, what we've been creating with all this indiscriminate flowing of energy is pure pandemonium at worst and a second-rate life at best, as we continue magnetizing into our day-to-day -day existence every experience, person, game, happening, encounter, incident, event, hazard, occasion, or episode by however we happen to be vibrating which means feeling. And that's the end of that section. And that was a great way to explain how like vibration attracts like vibration. And we all need to really think about that and ask ourselves, what are we thinking about? Are we thinking about what we want? Are we thinking about what we don't want? Are we constantly lost in thought how hard something is or how easy it can be? It's always up to us what we're thinking about. So that's the start of Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting. As you can tell, there's some wonderful Law of Attraction information. And if you want to get in touch with me for some Law of Attraction coaching, you can contact me through lifecoachdavid.com. And remember, like attracts like. So be very careful what you're thinking about and focusing on. Have a wonderful day or night. And as I always like to say, Choose to have a high vibration day.